0: Well, people of God, I think there is a word from the Lord for us today, and the text that I'm reading from is Exodus. You may want to, if you're watching online, you may want to go to your Bibles and follow along. This is Exodus chapter 17 and verses 1 through 7. Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not this is the word of God for the people of God well i have to tell you that the title of this sermon is back to the future back to the future, but I think it could also today be titled, Love in a Time of Coronavirus. Because you know, here is the truth, I can't think of a better season or time in the church year for there to be a pandemic than the season of Lent. I mean, after all, Lent is that time when we reflect upon our human condition, when we remember that we are dust and we'll return to dust, that we remember how much we need the living God in our lives, that our hope is in God, that our lives are in God. What better time to face and reflect upon a pandemic than during this season of Lent if you weren't praying When we started, Lant, I guarantee you're praying now. And it's been very interesting, I think, to watch the kinds of responses that we are witnessing among people because the human condition is on full display. Think of those who are afraid and are hoarding. I don't know about you, but someone who has three years' supply of toilet paper is probably a little bit afraid. I don't know what they're going to do with all of it, but if it makes them feel better, I'm all for it. Or think about those people who say, you know what, I'm 35 years old, it ain't going to hurt me, I don't care, I'm going to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. And they are selfish and self-centered because we know for a fact that social distancing will prevent infections and save lives. And then there are those people who are just completely in denial. Oh, nothing is wrong, nothing is happening we're all okay, it's all... No, it's not all okay. And so we see the full range of human behaviors on display right now. And God is working for our good Social distancing is actually an act of faith because it reminds us that we are people who care for the larger community and for life and for well-being. And while we're at it, let me just put an end to the bad theology out there. When someone says, oh, this is punishment from God, God does not take life indiscriminately in this way. And it's funny that it's a punishment until it impacts them and those that they think are good. The truth is that we live in a fallen world. The truth is that when humanity turned away, turned its back on God... We pulled the orderliness and the goodness of creation down with us and now we live in a world that is filled with some chaos and where bad things happen, but the good news is that our God is working to reconcile and restore the whole of creation and that is where we place our hope. Things may be a little different today, but the scriptures are the same scriptures we read, whether there's coronavirus or not. And this story in Exodus is one we ought to know pretty well. So if you remember the background, The people end up in captivity in Egypt because during the famine they move there when Joseph is actually in power. And then, of course, comes a pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and next thing you know, a couple generations pass, and God's chosen people are actually in slavery, oppressed in Egypt. And things get so bad, even that they are asked in their manual labor, they are asked to make bricks without straw. They have to go and try and find straw. It's a really terrible, brutal thing. They don't have any freedom. They don't have the right to worship their goddess. They want, they're really in a bad situation and they're crying out, God, help us. We're praying to you, God. So of course God sends a deliverer, Moses, who does all these miraculous signs before the Pharaoh, and then next thing you know, they're leaving Egypt, and in fact the Red Sea parts, and they walk across it on dry land. Now, that's a pretty remarkable thing, but here's what happens. Once they get out of that captivity, they begin to forget how bad it was. You know, Have you ever uh, been held captive by something, whether it's an addiction or whether it's your job or whether it's money or whether it's fear, and then you encounter the living God and you are freed of whatever that kind of captivity can be or might be, and then a little ways down the road you're looking back at your captivity again. And thinking maybe it wasn't so bad after all, it's luring you back. Fact science tells us uh, that human beings tend to see the past through rosier glasses than it actually was. And these people they're looking back and they're saying, You know what? We had onions, Mm-mm-mm. we could make onion soup back in Egypt, we had onions back in Egypt. Why are we here in the wilderness? Let's turn around and go back to where we came from. And so this story of the people mumbling and grumbling in the wilderness and looking back to the past has at least two lessons and two things that I want to talk to us about today that we can think about during the week ahead. Now, the first thing is simply this human tendency to look backwards. We have this human tendency to look back to the past and to think it was a greater time. I mean, there are so many people in the church who are spending their time looking back and saying, you know what, the past was such a great time. If we could only get back to the past, everything would be good again. And yet, I'm here to say, you same people who are saying that, whoever you may be, you were grumbling and complaining back then. Everything wasn't perfect for you back then, but now, of course, it was so much better. But on top of that, Do you really want to go back to that place in the past? Do you really want to exclude the people you were excluding back then? I mean, think about this. If you want to go back 30 or 40 years, would I still be able to be your pastor? Would Brian, Pastor Brian, be able to be your pastor? Would we have the wonderful musicians that we have in this church? Not everything in the past was quite so rosy. Uh, Many of you will remember this now um, classic movie, Back to the Future. And in it, the mad scientist Dr. Brown builds out of a DeLorean car a time machine. He has to. He has to build the. Uh, he has to invent the flux capacitor. If you've ever seen the movie, that will make sense. The flux capacitor, so that the car can time travel. So his young friend Marty is with Dr. Brown, and Dr. Brown tells him that the only way the car can work is by the plutonium that he stole from the Libyans, and the Libyan terrorists show up and want their plutonium back, so Marty jumps into the DeLorean, hits the gas, and before you know it, boom, he's back in 1955. Now, the plot lines of the movie, there are two of them, and one is that through a younger Dr. Brown, Marty's got to figure out how to get back to 1985. But the other plot line is that Marty has now interrupted that past and he's got to find a way for his parents to fall in love again, who are in high school, to fall in love again or Marty won't ever exist. Well, needless to say, Marty works all these things. He gets back to 1985 and to his great surprise, his parents, his brother, his sister are healthier, happier, more successful than they ever were before he had gone back. You see, the lesson here is that we look to the past so that the future might be better. We look to the lessons of the past not to go back there, but to learn from the past so that the future might be better. The scriptures are not there for us to go back to living in the time of Leviticus or even living in the days of Jesus in Palestine in the first century. It is for us to learn from the mistakes and the teachings of Jesus And God, so that we might live a better life into the future. Let me give you an example. The reason that This time in 2020, social distancing has become a thing. Had you ever heard of social distancing before the past couple weeks? I hadn't heard of anything called social distancing. Well, it's because the scientists look back to previous pandemics, including the 1918 Spanish flu, and what they found was cities that quarantined versus cities that did not Those that did not had much higher rates of infection and much higher death rates than those that stayed apart. They looked back to the past to learn for the present situation a better way forward that makes sense for the life and well-being of larger numbers of people. We look to the past for the sake of a better future for ourselves, for our children, for our children's children. But there is a second thing that we want to pay attention to in this story. And it's this. The people are looking backward to where they have been and yearning to go back. But all the while, God is right there with them. All the while, God is leading them in that wilderness space. God has not abandoned them. They not only have forgotten the things that God has done along the way, but they forget that God is like this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night that God is still journeying with them, but they're so busy looking back to Egypt in their place of captivity that they can't see the living God right in front of them. Don't we do that? we get so wrapped up in our own human fears or in our own human lack of this or that that we begin to turn and look away from God when God is right there trying to lead us into a better place. And that is the human condition in this third week of Lent, if we haven't figured it out, we have this tendency to turn away from God when God is right out in front of us. You can't follow Jesus if you got your back to him. Did you hear that? You can't follow Jesus if you've turned your back to him. Look to God Look to Jesus. No matter what we are going through, no matter where we are, no matter what is happening in the world, God is steadfast and faithful. God continues to lead us. God has given us hope. God has promised us a good future. God is working for the reconciliation of the whole of creation and promises us life and that abundant and eternal During this time, when things seem a bit chaotic, when things don't seem to be the way we like and want them to be, we are called to keep our eyes on Jesus, to trust that he is leading us to a good and abundant land and that the promises of God will never fail. We may not be physically together on this day, but the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit binds us together in ways we cannot begin to imagine. Our God is with us now and always.